on it. So I'm trying to put it on right now. Give me a second, guys. Do you remember how to tie your belt? Bro, of course I do. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to tuck this in right now. How does it look? It's going to look badass because it's got... So Jerome's got my blue belt with a... Nice. Man, that looks nice, cool. Nice. I Okay, once in a while, I wish that my podcast was on video. And this mm. is one of those times because this is very, very cool, man. Um, thank you. No problem. I really appreciate it. That's so, so cool. It's Small really, gift. Oh, I really made my day, bro. So actually, when I got promoted... Um, so to fill you guys in, I've been a white belt for like a pretty long time, actually. I think two, really two-ish years. Yeah, I started before COVID. Oh, maybe it's one year. But I think the total mat time on is probably, it's not probably shorter. Uh huh. That you yeah. And and I had I heard this myth that like you need to be a you need to compete in order to um, go up the ranks or something like that. Some people say that, right? I think I think that that applies to. The gym people in, in impact before COVID. Right. Yeah, yeah maybe. I think in COVID, there wasn't any competition available. So Yeah, well, I'm just going to lay this here because it's pretty. Um, yeah, so, but I've been pretty blessed that um, or fortunate enough that uh, Professor Leke thought, hey, this guy's been a white belt for long enough. Um, let's, <laughs> let's give him a blue. Um, this so guy's yeah, killing all the white belts in the gym, man. No. It's time for him to get a blue. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I, I got it and then... Um, well, I'll explain a little bit, a little bit about what happened. So, those of you guys who um, maybe don't do jiu-jitsu or do another different type of martial art, what happens is um, on the day of a, the okay. So first, maybe I'll explain promotion. So unlike karate, right? So karate is like when you're about to get your new belt. Okay, so you're, let's let's say you're a white belt, right? Mm-hmm. You would then prepare like something called kihon which is like your foundation and then you would practice like two different or one or two katas and then you go over there so then they'll say okay show your foundation then they'll watch you do your kata and then they'll watch you do your kumite which is a bit of like sparring Uh, this is more for the higher belts but they'll basically see you do stuff like that and then Mm -hmm. they watch you they assess you and they go okay um, you get a new belt jujitsu is a bit different right yeah can can you like explain the how it kind of works I think I think jujitsu promotion it's a little bit different because you can't actually see the person's skill. Mm-hmm. You really need to feel it or experience it on the mat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, usually, when it comes to somebody's uh, belt promotion, you can sense their skill level if they are at a certain level huh. and how they are performing in the gym. Okay. Yeah. So for the belt promotion and impact, it's pretty. Uh, I think pretty standard. You go into class, you roll. Mm-hmm. It's like an open mat. Yeah. yeah. But now with COVID restrictions, I guess the open mat is also quite restricted. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I won't go into details about that, but what, what happened was that they'll uh, put an open mat and then you guys will just do your thing. And then after that professor goes, okay, it's time. And then everybody kind of sits down and yeah, like yeah. nobody knows what's going to happen. Oh, no, nobody knew. No, no, no. As in like, they know there's uh, a promotion, but nobody knows like who's who, going right, to get promoted. Right, right. right. So everyone's like kind of anxious. And then you have everybody from the, the there are some whites there. Not that many blues on the day, but there were some purples. You know, not that a, many blues. Not yep. that many blues. Yeah, there were a bunch of purples. Um, they were like, it's like one. Oh no, there were there were a couple, couple of browns, and then this mm. professor, right? So yep. then, um, after that, he'll he'll kind of. So it's really cool, like how they do it is they they pull out a certificate first, right? Mm. So in jujitsu, like in karate, you can kind of you can kind of estimate, right? You're like, okay, I have been paying my fees for this many time. I've been training for about a year. Chances are, you know, I might get it. The question is more, am I going to promote 
single or am I going to double, double double oh promo? in karate you in have karate you can double as well yeah 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 oh, so okay yeah so in jujitsu I think it's slightly different um, so and okay I think first it's important for us to explain that in our gym Professor Lake it doesn't give out stripes yep so it it's kind of like you go white all the way to a blue mm-hmm. right so there's no no kind of in between like gauge whereas yep. many other gyms give the stripes I actually don't know why though uh, I don't know either yeah yeah because for Certain gyms they give the stripe to indicate that oh at least we see you we see there's some improvement, and it's mm-hmm. just a, a encouragement to let you continue on the journey I guess. Right. But for impact wise, it's just a full color belt promotion all the time. Mm, I I think what it does is because you see the I would say that the can you say the learning curve is steep. It's like yes. in in jujitsu right the the. Um, the milestones are a little bit more spread out than something like karate. Like in in general, like I think taekwondo might be even faster. Mm-hmm. But karate, approximately from about two years to two and a half, you can kind of hit a black belt. Correct. Um, whereas in, I think taekwondo is similar. Taekwondo. I think, yeah, it's probably similar. About that time. Yeah. Whereas jujitsu is like, you could do it for 10 years and still be a purple. Correct. correct. Right? So yeah. it's a lot more like, um, I mean, I'm not saying the other forms are, are not skill-based, but Jiu-Jitsu has um, guarded their promotion um, very closely, I yeah. would say. I mean, to, to be fair, Jiu-Jitsu is also a, um, a newer art form, I'd say. In Singapore, yeah. In it's, Singapore, yeah. yeah. In Singapore. Um, so anyway, so we're there. So how, what happens is that everybody sits down, and so nobody knows who's going to get promoted. Professor then takes out a certificate, right? And then he will describe the person Oh, um, yeah, before the person he comes up. He didn't do that for my promotion. He oh, didn't really? describe. Oh, I, think I, I see a lot of gyms do that. They'll take yeah. it, and they'll be like, hey, this person, he do a lot of this, and the, uh, after that, he... Then, then they're like, oh, they oh. kind of guess. Oh, yes, yes. I think, I think I remember what he said for my promotion. Okay, what did he like, say? This person, white belt, five years. <laughs> <laughs> Something uh, along those lines. Right, right. I'm so, like, oh, that's probably me, man. <laughs> you have been a white belt for five years, yeah, right? Yeah, man. And then five years. No, but to be fair, you, you, you were moving, right? Different places. Yeah, I didn't right. join a proper gym until like that. that until Impact. Until Impact, yeah. Okay. So the funny story is, I've been a white belt for five years. And... Okay. I only joined Impact for like six months uh-huh. and I got promoted within that six months oh, that wonderful. I joined Impact. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that particular year that I got promoted, I joined Impact in July. Uh-huh. And then there was a competition that was upcoming nearing the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I was actually training for that. Mm-hmm. So that so during during competition training I tore my meniscus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I tore my meniscus and then, then I was out, so I had to withdraw from the competition. So uh-huh. I think that happened in the the tearing of the meniscus happened in October or September. Okay. Yeah, so I was out all the way until uh, December, mm-hmm. and then I went back for the promotion ceremony. Right. I didn't expect that I was gonna be promoted, uh-huh. but then when I went there and I got promoted, I bet all the people in Impact were like, "Who the hell is this guy? He just oh. joined Impact for six months and he got promoted to a blue." Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, if they if they roll with you, they would they would obviously identify like, uh, yeah. oh, this guy's been been training before." I mean, it shows. It's very obvious yeah. when it comes to um, jujitsu. Your tear was. I recently heard of two different types of tear. I forgot the first one. The second was called a bucket handle tear. Oh yes, the first one was a bucket handle. Oh yeah, my my. You tore it twice. Yeah, I tore it twice. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, the first one was a bucket handle, uh, which is done by keyhole surgery, right? Yes. Okay. Arthroscopy, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Yeah, and the funny thing is, it tore without 
me being taken down. I was the one that was doing Taking the thing. Down, yeah. Right? yeah, I was coming up, but I was coming up on a single leg, and then it just popped, and mm. the flap just went in between my joint, and I couldn't okay. extend my knee. Uh huh. Yeah. Damn. And the second one was the second one. I remember. Uh, it wasn't a very big tear, but the old injury tore, mm-hmm. I, and I think it's because I was doing a triangle on somebody bigger, and he postured up and oh, expanded his shoulder. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There wasn't a, a popping sound or what, but it was just subsequently after that training, I noticed that my knee starts swelling after every training. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I went to get it checked, and then the physio, eh, the the surgeon told me that there was a, there was tear, mm-hmm. and surgery is optional. Okay. Yeah, and at, at that point in time, I was working in in, in my first job. That's not. Oh, that's uh, PSA, I think. Ah, PSA. Okay. Yeah, and it was yeah. shift work. Okay. I was like, oh, I can get. I can go for the surgery and like okay. get time off from work. Okay. All oh, right, go for it. Right. And then I'm paying insurance, so yeah. why not? Uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought you started off selling insurance, no? Or was no, that, that was that? that was before. That was during my uni days. Right. Insurance was part-time. Right, right, yeah, gotcha. Um, where were we? Yeah, so we're talking yeah. about like um, how yep. promotions happen. So he'll like describe the person. Uh-huh. So for me, the he he took up his thing and he goes he goes ah oh, he goes all the white belts in the gym don't like to roll with this guy. I was scared to roll with this guy and he goes this guy is a is a karate black belt. But in in jujitsu, then I was like I'm pretty sure that's me. And then he's like and this guy like like small Eugene. And then were you the first to get promoted? No, I was like the third or fourth. Right. I was like the one before the one before the brown or purple. Oh, okay. yeah, I was like the last guy to get my belt. Yeah, and then. Yeah, then he called my name and then gave me a belt and and that was um quite a how how should I say this? In fact, okay, let's rewind a bit. Before I said, Hey Jerome, let's do another podcast again, uh-huh. right? We're like, Hey, let's do it after the promotion day and see what happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um yeah, it was it was it was just one of those moments where I feel like um well I was I was very honestly I, I hate to use the word depression because mm-hmm. I, I feel like it puts a label on something too mm-hmm. quickly. Um, but I was definitely depressed for a long, long time. You know, I was very, very upset um, after I stopped working. And you know? it was like a good gap of two years, two and a half, mm-hmm. you know. And I would say jujitsu was one of those um, bright lights in my life, mm-hmm. you know. You okay with the mic? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. It was one of those bright lights so it was like I actually was really looking forward to go to jujitsu and like thanks to jujitsu it kind of gave me like gave me um it's almost like I had a work in progress yeah. right so one of the very unhealthy things I feel like when you get into a slump right or you start to feel depressed you start to feel tired about life you start to feel condemned right it's very difficult because you don't see your life going anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So so the steps to it, I feel like, is when you finally get something and this thing has levels or has stages to it, then as you clear, like, one level and you're onto another level, right, you kind of feel like there's progression. Yep. And I feel like that progression is almost like a ladder of getting out of this dark hole, you know? So, so actually, for me, even though it's just one belt, you know, like it kind of, it's, it was a pretty big deal. I was like, yeah. Hey, you know, I, I really feel something from it. Um, because yeah. you know that you put in so much effort into getting where you are today in, mm-hmm. in terms of your skill level and stuff. 
yeah yeah and um yeah so anyway i'm very very happy with this super happy especially with this blue belt the gold riding <laughs> uh, i bet you so many people are going to ask me about this in gym uh, um, okay but yeah, um yeah. yeah then i'll say oh, jerome bought it for me um yeah man uh but i but i have to say um huge thanks to you man i'd say like nah. 80 percent of my jujitsu i'm i'm getting off you because uh, jerome comes over to train with me and um you know we've been working on stuff for a long time and he was the one who's giving me feedback and so i would go and tested in gym so people people who roll with me in gym and are like oh how did you learn this new skill it's because do they, there's do a they really ask master yoda do they really ask that mm, maybe not not exactly but some of them do ask me like oh do you roll outside or like uh, do you train somewhere else then i'll just because say all these techniques like you know teach. maybe yeah maybe it's just different um <laughs> Yeah, hey, um, I, I wanted to talk about something that you brought up about jobs, right? So you haven't, you you're, you just shifted jobs. Yeah, I just well, changed jobs. It's, it's not just, it was like a good six months, I'd say. Oh, yeah. About, about I that think already. Compared to the time that I was on your podcast, that was probably a year. Was it a year already? Wow, really? It's I been don't know. that quick? Is it? Could be, could be. I think in the previous podcast, I was working in Hilti. You were still working in Hilti. Yeah. I, I must say, right, so this is the first time, I was just telling Jerome just now walking out of City Square Mall, I said, this is the first time I'm going to do a podcast where I'm completely, like, I, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Like, I usually have a mental, like, idea, you know, and I, and I you know, I like, I try to prime my guests a little bit so that they know what's going on are you dying from the mic no no no, no yeah okay all right yeah. um so you know we we have at least some sort of structure but i said hey you know today let's just flow with no particular agenda and just wing chat. it wing it yeah, yeah just chat and hang out um uh where was that yeah so then so then um we we're talking about you and your new job yep. right so your new job looks like tetris oh yeah so can you kind of explain oh it's almost like it looks like you're like booking a movie. booking yeah. movie that's tickets. what a lot of people say when they look at my screen it's like a concert yeah. overview of trying to book uh -huh. uh, seats inside so can you kind of yeah. explain what you do i think it's very interesting so i'm, an, I'm, I'm currently in, employed at Maersk, M -E -E -R -S -K, not mercedes mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. as a storage planner mm -hmm. so uh in a long story short we plan how the containers are stacked on the ship mm -hmm. yeah so the yeah, I mean, now with the whole logistics supply chain being in a mess, mm. uh, they require more manpower in terms of all this kind of uh, storage planning. Right, so so yeah. be before you become, a, what's the official title of the job? Storage planner. Stowage as in like a stowaway in a ship. Sto yeah, so S-T-O-W-A-G-E. Stowage, stowage a stowage planner. Yeah. Okay, so be before you get qualified as a stowage planner, you do have to do a, a short course, which you spend like a month or two doing, right? Uh, was it? I would say it's kind of like a on-the-job training. Okay. Yeah. So that was. I think that that took probably three months. Three months. Yeah. So what what do you learn? Like, what are the skills that? So essentially, they teach you the words or syllabus and terms that they use in the shipping industry. Okay. Background of the company. Okay. Then rules to abide to when you are planning okay certain violations to be avoided okay yeah because there's really a lot of considerations when it comes to containers being stacked on the ship mm -hmm. because your vessel doesn't just call at one port it right. calls at multiple ports it picks up it picks up containers at multiple ports and mm -hmm. at those containers mm -hmm. that they pick them up at they would have to offload containers there as well right yeah. um Okay, so if you guys are trying to imagine this, right, it's almost like 
Um, so Jerome decides what gets stacked where in the ship. Yep. So there are many things to take into consideration. I think we're oversimplifying it, but yeah. if we're just saying that you know you just place things or whatever. So, I mean, every, every container is. Would you say every container is the same size? There's a standard container size. There's a. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, container size are pretty standard all across the world. Because they need to stack, right? Yes, correct. Okay. So uh, generally, there are two lengths to a container. It's okay. usually a 40-foot or 20-foot container. Why not meters? <laughs> I have no idea, they man. Do, they do it in feet and inches? Yeah, they do it in feet and inches. Oh Just my for containers. Goodness. I have no idea why, actually, <laughs> now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah, it's not the metric system. It's the, yeah, the it's old... Imperial system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. In terms of height... Yeah. Uh, for the forty footers container, they have two different heights. Wait, sorry, can I ask? Yeah. But then they weigh in kgs. Oh, they they weigh in tons, which is technically kgs. Okay, yeah. so they decide to go half metric. Yeah, I have no idea why they don't weigh in pounds. They I mean, weigh in I tons. don't know if it's a shipping thing. Like ship, shipping uses, I mean, boats use knots, right? Rather than kms per hour. Oh yes, vessels yeah, so. they use knots. Oh, vessels, sorry, yeah. not boats. <laughs> okay, vessels they yeah. use knots. Uh-huh. Uh, weight of containers they use tons. Uh huh. Dimensions of containers they use <laughs> feet. Feet and engines. Engines, yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, you're saying so like uh, forty feet is a regular. Uh, forty feet, twenty feet, and the less common is a forty-five feet length container okay yeah in terms of height 40 feet usually comes in two heights mm-hmm. 8 foot 6 and 9 foot 6 oh wow okay yeah. okay and then 20 footers container usually are just in 8 foot 6 right yeah, okay these are the very common kinds that you see on a typical ship Okay, yeah. and and like if I imagine a cross section of a ship, right? I think very often I imagine that the that the containers oh, they right. sit on top of the ship, right? Yes, so yes. you you if you guys can imagine, like there's a ship. It's called the hull. Right? Yes, the hull of the ship. I always imagine that the hull to be empty or people walking inside, and then there's the the flat part. I don't know what it's called. That separates the deck and the hull, right? Yes, yeah. correct. And I thought all of them then sit on top of on top of it, mm-hmm. but that's the visible. That's the visible part. Exactly, ship, right? but apparently that's not the case. Yep. So on those bigger vessels, right? Sometimes, uh, on those bigger vessels, you would stack containers in the hull itself, also. Mm-hmm. So if the bigger the vessel, the more you can stack in the hull. Okay. So some 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 of the big vessels, you can go up to 10, 12 high in the in the hull itself. You can stack wow. ten or twelve containers on top of each other. Ten or twelve containers. Yes. And oh then goodness, wow. you cover it up with the, they call it the hatch cover that separates the deck and the hull. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, then on top of the deck itself, you More. continue to stack like six, seven, eight. How, okay, I, I've got so many questions yeah, to man. ask, man. How do these things not collapse? Are they yep. like, are they slot in like a coffin? Like, are they like put into slots or are they stacked onto they one another? They are literally stacked. Okay, so in huh. in the hull itself, I think, uh, okay, in the hull itself, mm-hmm. uh, the hull is separated into 40-footer uh, segregations. Okay. Okay. So, on each end of the 40-footer hull, uh-huh. we have this thing called cell guides. Uh-huh. So, they are literally like guide vertical guides that help to secure the 40-footer containers as they are lowered Bro, down. Okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, I just Googled this image, right? This is, this is a regular container. Sorry, can I show you? Oh yes, this is a regular. Right, container. so so a regular container is the ones that we imagine, mm-hmm. as everyone would imagine. Um, but you're saying that like this is a this is a picture of a ship, right? In containers. Yep. So you're saying that there is something 
connecting. Okay, uh, Google Cell Guides. Cell yeah, Guides? Yeah, like C-E-L-L. G-U-I-D-S. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't know if it would appear. Cell Guides. Ah, okay, okay. They look like this. Yes, correct, correct. So they're just vertical guides to I hold see. the containers in place. Okay, if you guys if you guys try to imagine this, it's almost like if you try to assemble an IKEA chair, it's something like that. Like it slots into the. I think ah, you know, like like a game of Connect Four where you drop your. Yes, it's like the frame of the Connect Four. Yeah. So oh. that your individual circular tokens don't jump in rows. Okay. They're okay. just secured in the rows itself. Got it. Got it. It's it's a guide. Yes. Okay. So this only prevents it from shifting rows, but okay. containers are secured to each other through this thing called twist locks. Okay, I always see like holes on the corners. Correct. So Is that the one? Yep. So twist locks are this individual locking mechanism that fastens onto the corner casting of the containers. Okay. So when you stack one container on top of the other, mm-hmm. the twist lock goes in between both corner casting and secure them together. Huh. Yep. So wow. that's how you secure them on deck. Okay. And then there's additional lashing bars. Okay. So it's kind of just a me- metallic um, bars that you tighten on to the... Uh, not, not, not the thing that I'm pointing at. Not that thing. Uh, These are the closet, right? Is there a cross there? There's no cross, nope. right? Okay. So if you, if you Google lashing bars... Lashing yeah, bars. L-E-S-H-I-N-G. So they are additional metal bars to help secure the container to the structure of the vessel. Ah, uh, okay, I see it now. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Ah, okay. Oh, and they kind of connect diagonally. Yes. I see. That makes sense. So yep. when it if if it wants to fall over, it's actually tugging on the other side correct, so it'll balance correct. it out. This is quite hard to picture if you guys are not looking at it. But obviously, you can always Google things like this, right? Yep. Um, okay, that's interesting. And that's how they stack them up. Um, and then when you so so I think it's not as simple as like you know what what Jerome was saying like just just stacking them. It doesn't quite work like that because you you were saying that there were there are multiple stations in which the ship needs to stop, right? So for example, I'm leaving point A. Um, so um, the stuff that needs to uh, alight at port, uh, sorry, I leave at port A. Mm-hmm. I need to put the stuff for port B, obviously not the deepest inside, because Correct. if I do that, I'll have to dig inside. Correct. So I don't want that. I don't want yes. to be a pain in the ass. So I want to put the the earlier alighting stuff on the outside. On the top. On the top, on the top sorry. Yep. The latest port should be always go to the should always go to the bottom. Right. The earlier port should always be on top as much as possible. But does the I mean I would imagine a ship doesn't just go to go from A and then it it like releases at B, releases at C. I'm sure they go to B, then they pick up some stuff from B as well. Yes, that, that is right. That's why it's confusing as well. Yes. So uh, a lot of times those bigger ships, they have multiple destinations okay. from coastal ports to ocean ports. Mm-hmm. So coastal ports is probably like Singapore, Malaysia. Okay. Whereas ocean ports is probably like, let's say you're crossing from Singapore to the Suez Canal to Spain. Okay. That's probably like ocean. Uh-huh. Crossing like you're ocean. crossing an ocean yeah. versus you're just coast. making a short trip. Yeah. Okay, coast, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So you have to store the containers in such a way that your ocean ports are always at the bottom. Your coastal ports, they... Understand. ...are on top, but mm-hmm. they are not blocking 
incoming ocean ports that may come in the coastal ports. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm still following. Okay. Yeah. And and does weight matter? Yep. So you should always try and stack the heaviest at the bottom, of course, mm-hmm. and the lighter on top. Okay. Yep. And and when we're talking about containers, that do you have any idea what's inside, or you just get this bulk weight? Like, okay, in my head, for example, mm-hmm. I would imagine like if you were transporting uh, like substance. I I don't know if it works mm-hmm. that way. Let's say I'm transporting a a pot of some sort of liquid versus I am transporting a I don't know a, a something else which is solid. For example, does that make a difference? Or so usually we would only know the kind of substance if it's a hazardous container like a flammable thing flammable hazardous chemical uh, radioactive okay. what's hazardous like mm, okay let's say like uh, firearms ah okay vehicles with gasoline okay fire extinguishers okay okay so all of this okay every every single item in the world uh-huh. has a UNNO classification number okay yeah all hazardous items has a UNNO classification. What does number. UNNO? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's just a it's just but a four a... digit number to classify that item. Okay. And each of these hazardous items has a hazardous class associated to it. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like for example, IMO IMO one is usually combustible items, okay. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Lah. So we would have if it comes to hazardous, we would need to know what is the hazardous item okay. and the classification that it is associated with hmm. because certain uh, certain class of hazardous items can be put together mm-hmm. certain have to be separated right gotcha. so like let's say for example you have acids you can't store them in the same location as alkalis okay okay yeah. okay let's say wow. if it's uh, fi- combustible firearms okay you can't store them with any other containers, any uh-huh. other hazardous items, you can't store them beside the accommodation because it's flammable, right? The accommodation meaning the actual ship crew. The, the sh- yeah, the place where, where a lot of the ship crew Got it. Uh, stay Got it. or they navigate from there. They call it the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the bridge. The bridge is always. A- oh yeah. Sorry. Can I ask this yeah, before? Yeah. I why? Why the hell is the bridge? Is the the why is the control station thing mm-hmm. always at the back? Why is it not at the front? Uh, I would think it's. Uh, I, I mean, okay. If, yeah. Like, to sorry, be honest, my, I have. It might no sound idea. like a stupid yeah. question, but in a car, uh-huh. okay, as a driver, I want to be as close to the front as I can. For because, visibility, right? Yes, because I'm going that direction. Yeah. If you give me the excuse that yes, but I, I need to see where the how where the front of my car is going. Correct. Yeah, I can still see it from the front. Whereas if you tell me to sit at the back of a lorry and drive from the back of the lorry, it would be to me it wouldn't correct, make any correct. sense. But with a ship, you drive from the back. Like why? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> to be to honest I have the question again I have the question also Because yeah. we do have To clear visibility issues also Because sometimes We have to stack the containers Oh yeah very the, the crew can't see Yep that's right So I uh, I, To be honest I have no okay, idea Okay you know what One of my um, students in karate He is a ship captain You can ask him Yeah so him. of a Japanese vessel So I might yeah. grab him in And yeah. ask him like why Then I would be able to Give you the answer yeah. of why Okay I, I don't know Could it be because of the vessel stresses or that kind of stuff. I'm not very sure. But hmm. MERS has been MERS is coming up with a new vessel that runs on I think green energy methane. I think. Can can I have okay, I have a, 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 a bit silly hypothesis but might be correct. Uh-huh. 
Because if you go back to the old days, the steering of the ship is the controlling of the rudder. Yep. You would have to sit at the back to control the rudder. Could be. Could be. But yeah. then again, motor boats, like those racing motor boats, they are in the front or the middle. So I wouldn't know. I mean, if I'm thinking of like back in the day of the old them wooden ships, right? You imagine if you're steering... Okay, but this is without electronics. If you're steering yeah. from the back, right, your whatever you're steering can connect directly to the rudder. Yes. That's Whereas right. if you're all the way at the front, your whatever thing needs to be super long to connect yeah. all the way to the back. I, I, mean, I don't know. That's a legit point, I would say. But yeah. then airplanes they do run on. That's true yeah. as well. But that's technology, though. I yeah. mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, we're just talking about yeah. out of their asses, man. I probably don't know anything about. I this. have no idea, um, man. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to find out. Um, actually, I can Google it now. But anyway, um, do, do you get to go on these ships, by the way? No, but when I was working at PSE, I, I, I uh-huh. have to go on this kind of ships to talk to the chief officer to settle some stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, I've just Googled, why do ships steer from the back? Okay, a ship's wheel or boat's wheel is a device used aboard a water vessel. To start a vessel blah, blah, blah. Nope, this doesn't give me. Why do boats steer from the real, uh, rear? Yeah. Okay. Most small watercrafts must plane up and ride further out to the water as speeds increase. The only part of the boat guaranteed to be in the water at high speed is the stern drive. So for practical reason, it must also steer from the stern. But this is for small boats, right? Yeah. If you look at uh, big vessels, big ships. Okay. okay, I have to look this up. Because for, for this kind of container ships, apparently uh, the optimum trim which is the difference between the forward and the aft draft, which mm-hmm. is how deep the forward part of the vessel and the rear part of the vessel. Uh-huh. The optimum trim is usually if the forward is deeper than the aft. So that means your vessel is tilting downwards. That will give you the least... Uh, that will give you fuel savings, apparently. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read this. This is super long, though. <sighs> In the old days, okay, wait, wait, this is talking about in the old days and nights and stuff. I don't think I have time to read all this. Is the bridge, the front of the back of the ship, is the bridge, how come a bridge, could you Google it for me? Okay. I guess you, so I don't have to twist my neck and and look at this sideways. What did you Google? I I Googled why are ship bridges at the back? Uh-huh. Okay, maybe while you find it, let me see. Let me see how this one. It says here, in the old days when knights were bold and steamships were a new thing, the engines were placed, um, amidship and cargo holds were placed fore and aft. I'm trying to read this sideways. It's a bit tough. That was easily a good balance whether the ship was laden or unladen. The weight were still concentrated the same, so that the ship could behave nicely at sea without a cargo. This doesn't answer my question. Oh. What does yours say? I think we are on the same one. You're on Cura. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How come? Admittedly, not all early rear engine merchant ships did this. Uh, with better communication, it's now easier to put the bridge and crew near the machinery fit at the back of the ship. Ah, uh, okay. I, I would. Okay. I, 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 I kind of understand how. how Okay, because you must imagine... Um, the, because the, the... What's this called? The turbine? Not the, the turbine. The propeller. The, the propellers are closer to the back. So yes. the, the all the action is happening at the back. Is that what Correct. you're going to say? So because I think if your bridge is were to be at the front, uh-huh. you will need some sort of um, connection from the bridge to the propeller to the rudder. 
And because yeah. your hull is occupied with containers, you need to uh-huh. find a way to to connect it without interfering Bro, with yeah, capacity. That's, yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, yeah, because right, right, right. yeah, because you need to connect. If you steer from the front, right, you need to connect it all the way to the back. Yes. And so you'd have something running through the middle. Yeah. Yeah, and that would affect the capacity of the vessel. Ah, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just Whoops. say that for now. I'll I'll get a ship captain in here okay. and then try to get it. But I think we're on the same we're on the same line. This uh-huh. is kind of kind of what makes a a bit more sense. Um. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Have you seen the movie Captain Philip? I am the captain now. Is it the one that he got like he got robbed by pirates? pirates. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Have you seen that? By one? Tom Hanks, right? Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually really like that film. In fact, after watching that, I asked them. Um, I asked my student, who's a ship captain. I asked mm-hmm. him, like, how come you guys don't carry firearms on board? And you know, what was um, the answer? Now he he explained it to me somehow. He says apparently that the water jets at the side are actually very very strong. They are not like they are not like the stuff that you see at Wild Wild Wet or you see at Adventure Cove, like these little nozzles. <laughs> He's like apparently it's very very high powered and it's Can supposed be- to be enough. Yes, and apparently not. Uh, they don't always not have an armed um, guard. Sometimes they do go around mm. with armed guards. Um, but he did tell me that while he was at sea once, um, they ran into a suspected pirate area, mm-hmm. and so he had to deviate. Then he never saw the pirates. Oh, right. um, but yeah, I think pro- probably. Do they probably not? I've seen some vessels. They put um, con wire. Is it con wire? I forgot. Uh, barbed wire. Barbed wire, the circular uh-huh. thing mm-hmm. along the edges of the vessel. Yeah, and they have stuff yeah. like pirate cages as well. Yeah. So they try to protect the 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 bridge area from it. Pirate cages. Pirate cages. So it's like it's you not cannot. It's not for you to put the pirate in them when you capture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would probably be a good idea, actually. Um, anyway, yeah, so... Um, and h- how's this new job treating you? Oh, I, actually, I quite like it, actually. Yeah? Uh, although it's, it's, uh, It sounds dry. It sounds like you don't get to interact with many people. Uh, not on a face-to-face level. Uh-huh. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty solo job because all you have to do is plan the vessel, uh-huh. send it to the terminal... Uh-huh. And then liars with the terminal, liars with the chief officer, and then right. you're on your way, huh. right? But um, it's sometimes the, the 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 planning stage isn't that simple because you have to double check a lot of things. Right. Certain things might come up, and then you might have to ask t- your teammates for help. So it's really your own initiative to really interact with your own team. Huh. Okay. But the downside of this job that it's a twenty four seven role. So we don't get weekend off. Why? We As in, because you don't know when the next cargo is going to come in. It's because the vessels are always going on to the next port. The ports are always coming on. Right. You don't right. have a fixed Monday to Friday. But, but I mean, what can you do? I mean, let's say it gets to the port and then they're like, oh, this is stacked wrong. Or do they call you and they're like, Jerome, where did you put the whatever, whatever? Okay, so usually um, once, I, once I plan a particular vessel, mm-hmm. I'll send it to the terminal. Once the terminal sees it, they would, they would actually allocate containers, based on the port of discharge uh-huh. according to their yard. Right. So because for me, when I plan, I plan, I plan a port of discharge accordingly. Mm-hmm. But the terminal, they don't always plan accordingly to what my plan shows. They would try to match the weight. I see. But they don't plan exact container A to, to that particular location. Okay. Because. Uh, in the terminal itself, they store their containers in yard, mm-hmm. and their yard mm-hmm. configuration might not flow accordingly to my plan. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, because let's say in my plan, uh, container A is supposed to be at the bottom, container mm-hmm. B is supposed to be on top. 
uh-huh. right? But let's say in their yard, container B is stacked on top of container A. Mm-hmm. So that means they have to bring oh, container see, B out first. I see, I see. Okay, but if okay. both weights are the same, then maybe they can just swap the positions. Got ah, it, got it. Something got it. like that. It's a lot of, um, sounds like a lot of negotiation. Yeah, And a lot of correct. like seeing what's best yeah. for both for both people. So for me, when, when I send my plan over and when the terminal send their plan for me to check, I would just check on the base setup. They call it the base setup. Right. So like whether this part of discharge is at a correct location, mm-hmm. whether they follow my part of discharge, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. the individual containers are at the location that I specified, I don't usually go that in depth because right. it doesn't fit your yard condition. Okay. But special containers, we would have certain um, locations that need to be followed, like hazardous containers. Right. Hazardous containers, high value refrigerated containers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh yeah, usually these two containers are the ones that we pay more attention to because they're high value, they're right. dangerous. Refrigerated and? Uh hazardous. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Refrigerated because they're on you're on a time you're on crunch time. Correct. And okay. because a lot of times they're high value. So high value refers the ship crew, they need yeah. to regularly go and check on the container. What what are we looking at when you say, uh, is this like food products? Food product, let's say uh, dairy, beef. Ah, okay. You, you're not transporting live things. Live? Are you like transporting? Live animals? Yeah, like, I mean, like let's say there's a- No, I don't think so. Okay, you don't yeah. transport animals. No, I don't transport. Okay, and you hope you're not transporting people as well. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hear yeah. about stowaways and yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff, right? Hey, um, I wanted to throw in a commercial break, bro. Something that you never know, you probably don't care, but I will just tell you because I feel like it. Okay. Do you know how pole dancing started? Um. <laughs> no. So here's an interesting fact. Okay. So, Last time, okay, uh-huh. long, long time ago. This is this is what my friend uh, Susie Ming uh, told me. Uh, she's one of the pioneers of pole dancing in Singapore. So, um, way back, right? Um, I had to po- I had to host a pole dancing event. She was like, "Hey, you know, can I get you to host the pole dancing?" I said, "Yes, yeah, said, sure." But I, you know, before I do most things, I, I try to do a bit of research. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Yo, if if I want to um, host this thing, I really need to know more about the subject." So I said, "Why did pole dancing start?" And she goes, "Ah, good question. Let me explain this." So how, what actually happened, right, was that Back in the day, right, um, sailors, right, so back then it was like women are not really allowed on board ships. So okay. it was like a male heavy, like whether it's like um, warships or, or whatnot, right, it's it's a very male-dominated mm-hmm. kind of area. So what happens is when they finally dock at a place, right, they would go there and then they would look for prostitutes okay. and strippers to come on board to entertain them. Mm-hmm. So what happens back then was like, I don't think stripping was that fancy back then, but they were kind of dock. And then these women would come on board, right? Okay. And when these women came on board, they would dance and like strip for the guys. But I mean, you, you, you don't, it'd be pretty boring if they just stood on a plain floor and stripped. So what they used to do is they used to hold on to, you know, boats have, uh, ships have like different railings and pipes yep. and all that. Yep. So they used to go around the pipes and they used- Horizontal use, pipes? Uh... I, I don't know. Oh, I don't right. know the details, but they used to like dance around the structure of the ah, boat. Yeah. And okay. they would use that to kind of make it look sexy. I see. So what happened was that then after that, the brothels and strip clubs close to the dock, they were like, hey, actually, that's a very interesting apparatus. Mm-hmm. So then they started putting in like, pole. Um, yeah, pole like structures, like, um, in, in the, in the strip bars. And so that became popular. And then when that popularized, um, 
more and more strippers started stripping using pole dancing, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens with older pole dancing, uh, also older strippers, when they get a little bit too old, probably not that in demand anymore, they would train up younger strippers. Mm-hmm. So when the younger strippers will come in, these pole dancers, because they dance pole at night, they'll strip at night, and in the day, they would train the younger pole dancers. Whoa. Yeah, so this whole thing then became like a pole dancing art. And then because of this whole teaching thing, it became a class. It, it became like more a class setting. And that's when like more women who are like not strippers were like, hey, you know, I'm also curious in this art form. And that's how pole dancing grew. And these days it's so popular. Yeah, man. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, that. so it all originated from the ship. Oh, yes. Dang. Completely useless piece of information for you. But if, if you... If you <laughs> how originated that from? from? From the ship. Wow, yeah, so okay. if, if anybody asks you, um, you can tell them that. But talking about um, classes and all this kind of stuff, um, we go to class together and Today we just finished our nogi class oh, yeah. uh, with Jude, who I had on the pod- podcast, um, a-, a character who just you know blows me away every time I even get to train with him. So, some sort of magic that a dude like much smaller than me, a much lighter than me, um, manages some sort of fairy, yeah, brown yeah. belt magic has some magical powers and so high skills that I'm completely useless when I'm training against him. Um, you you do gi and no gi as well. Yeah, you got a preference, or you just whatever. I'm just whatever. Okay, you yeah. you know one thing I think is quite cool is that you watch a lot of videos. I used to. I used to really. Now I'm just. Now I I watch more Netflix than okay. videos. What what have you been watching on Netflix, man? Manifest. Apart from sending me random photos of myself. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. You did. You just sent me the other day. I did. You said, yeah, you're like, I didn't know you're on this thing. Oh, in right, Netflix. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, chance, I chance upon that one. It was Mr. Uh, Unbelievable. Mr. Unbelievable, yeah. Oh, man, I was so young on that one. <laughs> oh, that was funny, man. Yeah. Did you end up watching Marco Polo? No, I didn't. I didn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Mr. Unbelievable was just unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never got to watch the full thing. It's okay. Okay, it's, it's, I'm not missing out. No, you're not missing it's out. It's di- directed by a friend of mine, Watson, who I think it's a very—he's a very talented director. Um, but um, anyway, think, so, yeah. so you were saying, what else did you watch on Netflix? Um, Manifest. Okay, what uh, what is that? Is that Korean? No, it's just this bunch of people. Manifest. That, yeah. Okay. So this bunch of people they bought the plane and then the plane runs through some turbulence and oh, then when bro, they, I know this one yeah. I know this one I know this one yeah so okay. they arrive at their destination and realize that five years has passed right like, and they all list, they can hear voices or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, right? something ah, like that. is this any good yeah it's good it's good mm-hmm. yeah uh, what else Disney Plus I'm watching Boba Fett the book of Boba Fett where does that sound familiar? Boba Fett. What yeah. is it about? Boba... Star Wars, Boba Fett. Ah, The okay. son of Jango Fett, the okay. bounty hunter. Okay. Yeah. The bounty hunter, is that the guy who was played by the Maori guy? Maori? Uh, Maori, Maori guy. Um, ah, yes, yes, yes. Right? I think, I think um, it's Maori. Yeah. He's called... Um, wait, let, let, me, let me look this up. The bounty hunter, right? Yep. Uh, Tamara Morrison That's the guy's name I think his name is Tamara Morrison Is it? Django Fett yeah. uh, Let me see uh, Tamara Morrison uh, Star Wars Is it this guy? Balding Does he look like this? Yes It is him Yeah <laughs> yep. Yeah this guy is This guy is Maori. Um He's like a you know, back in school we used to watch this film we, we had to watch this film for English called Once Were Warriors uh-huh. it's a very famous um, New Zealand film and he was the, the main character yeah. and uh, every I think all he was like New Zealand pride when he went on to do like Hollywood films and stuff yeah. yep okay yeah so it, it was a 
Ah, yeah. okay. The so book it, of Boba Fett. Okay. So it's a it's a spin-off of uh his life after getting I think after the return of the Jedi. Ah, I oh, I see right here. Boba Boba Fett. Yes. Ah, Boba Fett. Yep. <laughs> I can only think of Wobble Tea when we talk about uh, Boba stuff, but okay, Boba Fett. Very cool. Are you like a fantasy dude? Like you like watching this kind of fantasy stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also finished watching watching Hawkeye on this. Is that good? Class. Yeah, it's not bad. One one of the most um talked like, about? No, I was gonna say nobody makes a oh, movie about him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's made a like, series out of him. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. Yeah, I like and, it. And it's the, the same dude. Uh, yeah, it's the same dude. What what's is his Jer- Jeremy Rayner. Ah, yes. Yeah, okay. I, fir- I first... Uh, I believe the first movie I saw of him was in SWAT. SWAT, yes. Yeah. I, I watched that show. Did, did yeah, you like yeah. SWAT? I think it was okay. I'll, I'll show you... I'll, I'll tell you when I thought this kind of stuff was real cool was when I first watched the movie Speed. And it was no, 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 Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Yeah, it was right. a young Keanu Reeves yeah, yeah. who I thought was so handsome, man. With like everybody wanted to be Sandra like Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. That's right. It was the first young Keanu. Man. Yeah, man. And and the haircut he has. Right. If you guys ever get to look up Speed with Keanu Reeves, right? I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, Keanu. I was pretty sad that he didn't come back for Speed too. Who was in Speed too? Look at this. Look at this. Okay. I'll tell you why the world is unfair. Right. Look at look at this handsome motherfucker, like. He's got this haircut that looks like a dude that just came out of NS, right? Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. when when I rock this haircut, I look like an idiot. But this dude, he pulls it off. He pulls it off, man. And now he looks like he's rocking this homeless look where his hair is long <laughs> and he's. <laughs> I, a lot of people like that look, but I, I just don't. Ha- I, I just don't think it's good. It I, just makes him look like a hobo. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make him look homeless, right? But I don't know, man. Like women, I guess some women dig this kind of stuff, but. Yeah, man. This back in the day, I was like, "Shit, I want to look like this dude." And he's like partially Asian as well. Yeah. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is. Uh, he's. I think he's born Hawaiian, and he has some like Japanese blood. Ooh, that's yeah. cool. Pretty cool stuff. And he loves motorcycles as well. Oh so yeah, yeah. I wanted to. Yeah, but damn, man. Back in the day of speed, I was like, hey, everybody wanted to be him. Yeah. That was the the the, the kind of cool thing. I yeah. think it was one of the nicest action movies I've watched. That's true. Yeah. You know, like from a from a director kind of point of view, right? Um, this movie, the reason why it's so, ex- I would say it's an exciting movie. Oh, yeah. Because you're giving the audience a time frame. Oh. Yeah. So because there's a there's a the, the bomb. ticking time. Yeah. Yes, it kind of puts pressure and it lets the audience. They, it leads the audience to be more on the edge of their seat, you know. I think this is a very, very fun one. Um, speaking of guns and all that, you know, you're into John Wick, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, so you know how John Wick goes around to... Um, shoot people? <laughs> yeah, he, like, shoots people, but yeah. Keanu Reeves went through this program where he was, like, shooting guns. Gun fool? Uh, I, I don't know, it's this thing, like, basically it's, like, gun training yeah. so that so that he'd be good in the movie. Um, but I got to do that in Las Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You, just, you mentioned that you just came yeah. back from... Yeah, I, I sent you vid- videos of that. So I, I went to shoot. Uh, I got to try a Glock. Mm-hmm. I got to try and so it's very cool when you go to this uh, Las Vegas shooting range, right? They have like, um, they have pictures on the wall of all the guns they have. So it's like all handguns would be in one place. Mm-hmm. All the shotguns would be in one place. They have all the semi-automatic, all the fully automatic, all the sniper rifles. Yep. So you would then, I mean, it's such an American thing. It's very Las Vegas. You would then look on the wall 
and every gun, like for example, the Tommy gun, they'll show you like, okay, this is from like this movie, like uh, Enemy oh, of the State or something. They would show you which movie yeah, which that the movie guns were being used exactly. In. Oh. So it's something like um, they'll show you like a, a f- like one of them very massive machine guns, and it'll show you like Rambo, for example. Right? It's a great, it's it's great, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, very cool. Yeah, it's so a like, way I wanna, to sell. I want to be like that guy, and I want to feel what that guy felt in that movie. Then you can just choose the guns, and then they'll they'll lay have it. But I I chose a Glock because it's very. If I ever need to pick up a gun, I think it'll be similar to a Glock. So I right. thought that was safe. I went with an MP5 because mm-hmm. um, it's a generic one. So if I ever need to use an MP5, and I was thinking of using the AK47, but I decided against it. Um, I went with a the machine gun. I forgot the name, and then I went with a sniper rifle, which ah shit, I cannot remember. Um, but anyway, I was shooting exploding targets, so that was very very exciting. Uh, you get to shoot targets and they blow up right in front of you um yeah man that was that was fun fun the only gun that i've ever shot was a saw 21 oh that's right in ns right (laughs) and it's not even on full automatic uh right oh yeah i yeah i heard they don't let you shoot it in fully automatic yeah they don't do i have no idea why but yeah we all we always shoot it in single i think is it semi or single Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Hmm. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, no other firearms before, man. Right. I'm envious. Right. What about these guns? Oh damn, those <laughs> big bro. Those are illegal in Singapore, man. Oh uh, garbage. Call the this police. Is, this is so nonsense. Um, after after I left um the shooting range, they actually gave me a um, it's like a oh, what's it? I forgot the name of it, but basically it's like a sniper rifle cartridge. Oh, the um the the heads already the gone. casing, right? They're just the casing, and they make it into a bottle opener. Can you can you bring it back to Singapore? Okay, so that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I told them, hey, you know, let me Google this shit because I don't want to lose my life for yeah. like you know bringing the wrong thing in. And upon googling it, I was like, it's a very gray area. Yeah. I really don't want to risk it. So I said, thanks, guys. Does um, it look like a bullet casing at all? It is a bullet casing because it was it was previously a bullet casing. It's and just they that just stick the bottle opener on the top. No, as in they hollowed it out. They they'll cut it out. So it's like completely decommissioned. You cannot use right. it. Um, but, but at the first look, you can tell that it's a bullet casing. It's a real one for sure. It's a real as one. In, even just by looking at it, you can tell that. It's yeah, a it's a bullet casing. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's, it's a very it might be dangerous, right? Yeah. Because they can say that you use it as a as a threat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, So. Yeah, but anyway, um, that all, all that dangerous stuff aside, like on let's talk safety. Let's talk like family and all that. How's how's things going with you and the girlfriend? It's good. Yeah, I wanted to sh- share about your house thing. Yeah, we just, just got, we just we just chose our unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, man, but whew, expensive, bro. I'm sure. Uh, Macpherson is a prime area. Okay. Yeah, and it goes. I think. I think, the range for. The houses there for a four room ranges from five eighty to like six thirty. Oh yeah, man, crazy expensive. Huh, 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 huh. But oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Now I was, I was saying that you're pretty young for a guy. I mean, Reggie's twenty six. Yep. You're twenty nine. Yeah. Twenty nine. Yeah. And you guys are like, you know, wanting to settle down. Not, I mean, slightly less common. I feel like these days people like dragging it later and later. Really? I think so. Yeah. A lot of my friends are already getting married, man. Is that right? Yeah, I feel maybe, like maybe I'm one of the last few. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Gosh, maybe you're from a more um, civilized, civilized crowd. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I hang out with not too civilized people. A lot of my friends are not married yet. Like, oh, all, really? Yeah, when I look at all my groomsmen, uh, only one only one is married. But he's like way older than me. Oh. Quite a bit older than me. Still so. enjoying the bachelor life. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Could be, you know. Um, but... Um, 
yeah this um sorry i got sidetracked by something that we we're talking about before we kind of jumped on the family but before that right i wanted to ask you about like um videos and i, I was talking about watching bjj videos mm-hmm. right I mean, you always like send me a, a lot of really good material. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I was like a new jujitsu guy, for example, and I'm starting jujitsu, right? Uh-huh. Who who would you recommend that I watch? Like, who is someone who you think is, um, um, who, okay, okay, take take it a step further. I think that after two years of jujitsu, I can say that it is one of those art forms that is very hard to pinpoint where you start. Yes. Right. Okay. Like, I always refer back to karate. Karate, you have like your basic um, kihon. It's called foundation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know, like from number one to, to number twenty, you know. Okay, I do this. I do that. I do this. I do that. Okay. Now I kind of know where I am. Mm-hmm. Then you move on to second part. You learn a new kata. You learn mm-hmm. harder stuff. Right. I believe the Gracies have something like a Gracie. Com- I don't know Gracie if it's a Gracie combatives, but they've got a bit of a syllabus, you know. But when it comes to like. I mean, the way we train at gym, right? There's not quite that specific um, one, like A to Z of, this is step one, is to learn A to Z. Then after that, you learn one, yep. one to 10. ten. I, I, think, I don't know how it works. Yeah, because I think in terms of BJJ, uh, mm-hmm. there isn't a fixed curriculum. Mm-hmm. And there's really a shit ton of techniques out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in terms of Gracie combatives, I think for their beginners from white to blue, they teach you about self-defense BJJ. That's right. So if yep. that's something you want to do, then you can go that direction. Uh-huh. But for me, I feel like if you're starting out JITS, you would want to master your basic movements before you go into learning moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your basic movements like bridging, strimping. Okay. Rolling, right? Like front row, back rolls. So, so what? Like, I mean, who's who's like system or syllabus? Do you think like this is a good place for a beginner to start? It depends on what what's your learning style. <laughs> if you are into the kind that explores theoretical reasoning behind movements, you're you gonna say o- Danaher. Aren't you? You're okay with sitting through like lecture like dry information. Then John Danaher is your mm-hmm. go-to guy. But if you just want like short bits on precise information, you can just YouTube. Just look yeah, up stuff. Just look up one. YouTube. But if you mm-hmm. really want the reasoning behind each of the movements, the theory behind it. Mm-hmm. And you don't mind this bald guy repeating himself for like two hours straight. Then yeah, go yeah. for John Danaher, man. You know, Jerome and I like we when we try to look up a, a John Danaher tutorial, we always on YouTube play on times two speed. Oh yes. And at times two speed, he sounds like a person speaking slowly. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I actually saw this. Um, I saw Gordon Ryan teaching something, mm-hmm. and one of the comments was like, "Wow, John Danaher has very good ventriloquist skills because it was Gordon Ryan giving a tutorial, but in an equally slow pace, exactly like how Danaher would." <laughs> yeah. You know, but but it but it's actually very clear. Yep. You know, if you is. have the time and patience to listen to Danaher, you're like, "Oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh correct, okay." Yeah, something like that. Hey, um, I I recently got into Keenan Cornelius. <laughs> Right, Wormguard. <laughs> yes, uh, Jerome laughs because he's not the biggest fan yeah. of Wormguard and Squidguard and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Um, I've recently been experimenting with it uh, just because I don't want to... Um, see, I, I'll tell you what got me thinking, right? So now I've been doing a bit more Nogi because of Jude's classes, right? I mean, right. we train Nogi together, but yep. um, I go to Jude's classes and train Nogi. And I was thinking like, if I go to Nogi class and then I go to Gi class... If I'm not making a differentiation, I'm just 
rolling for the sake of rolling. Yep. I want to know what is special about the gi and how I can use it to my advantage Definitely. and what is useful in no gi that I can use to my advantage. Yep. So when I weigh the two out, I'm like, hey, look, there's a, there's a, there's a dimension um, of my gi game that is missing and which is working with a gi. Yep. You know, whether it be like using spider or using worm guard or using um, squid mm-hmm. guard, you know. So recently I'm like, Hey, why don't I why don't I study this apparatus called the gi, right, and not let it go to waste, mm-hmm. you know? And I think from there, I kind of discovered a few new things, but I find it still very difficult to pull off. Yep. Um, I think it takes a bit of experience. Um, like once you get that worm guard in tight, you're like you're pretty dominant, you know. But yep. even getting to that position, right? How do you bait someone to that position? Is um, because worm guard. First and foremost, you have to strip your opponent first, right? Yes, you do. <laughs> you have to remove his gi from his belt yes. so that you can get the lapel around his leg and your leg, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like what you said, um, having 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 the gi, you, you would definitely want to make full use of the gi. Mm-hmm. And no gi, of course, then you would have a different game. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, they have difficulties... Uh, transitioning between both in terms of their reflexes. Hmm. A lot of people that they train so much in the gi, when they go to no gi, they start gripping your fight shots, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it, as long as you have a very clear um, separation between what you can do in the gi and what you can't do in the gi, then mm-hmm. I think you can work on both. Right. Yeah. Right. Like for me, right? I would say my game in gi and no gi is similar, uh-huh. but just in terms of the kind of submissions I go to, mm-hmm. they just differ by a bit. Yeah. As in, because one you're using gi, one you're yes, not. Yes, correct. Ah. So, my my I think for me my my mindset is somebody should learn no gi first, mm-hmm. so that once you learn no gi, you are accustomed to no grips. Mm-hmm. If you can control somebody without grips, if I give you an abundance of grips, uh-huh. I think you can control somebody even better. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. But if okay. you can control somebody in the gi with grips, if I transition you to no gi, mm-hmm. you would feel a sense of loss because I've just taken something away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So that's my mindset because I started off in no gi. That's yeah. right. Okay. What are your What are your plans? Like, uh, I'm just curious. Like, I don't know how much you, you can talk about like where you're training at now or what you're doing. You know, uh, what what this transition has right. been like. You know, because um, I, I guess we met training in Impact, uh-huh. and then now you also explore other places as yeah, well, right? Yeah. So I don't know how much you can talk about it. You know, but how how is your journey right now? Like, I mean, we talked about this plateau, right? And and all yeah. this, like, yeah. So how do you like how are you feeling right now? And I think all of us would experience this in complete blues. Oh, blue belt blues. Okay, yeah, I thought it's disappearing blue belt, but okay, blue belt oh, yeah. blues. Blue belt blues contributes to disappearing blue belts. Okay, because they just feel so demoralized working through the plateau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think could you could you explain the plateau for people that maybe are new at it? Uh, I guess somewhere along the lines, somewhere along your jujitsu life, you just feel like you're not improving anymore. Mm-hmm. You're just going to class. You're doing the same shit over and over again. You don't. You don't see yourself improving. You see yourself tapping the same people. You are tapping the same people. Mm. You just feel like you're not improving, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sometimes getting through the plateau is uh, it's it's a journey on itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of times uh, when you go and train, uh, if you go and train in 
with the mindset of I have to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you would not have the opportunity to try new techniques because you're mm. always trying to win. You're always trying to put in your A game. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times to get through your plateau, you would have to experiment with new techniques. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With new techniques, because you're just learning them, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, you most likely you wouldn't succeed. You most likely get tapped. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's just part and parcel. And mm-hmm. I feel like exper- like subjecting yourself to different games mm-hmm. would help you break that plateau. So like but because that would mean different bodies as well. Yes, it? different bodies, different okay. people that you're rolling with. Mm-hmm. So like for example, if you're so used to the game at impact, mm-hmm. you're so used to this person playing Spider Guard, you're so used to this person playing Half Guard, you mm-hmm. would know what to do in those kind of situations. I see. Yeah. So let like so like I think pre COVID times, uh some gyms in Singapore they would open up for open mats on public holidays. Right. Oh, those times are the best, man. You can go there and try your techniques on different people okay. and see their reaction but generally it tends to be a <laughs> a competition a competition ground. yeah because you want to you want to gauge your level against people of your same size same belt yes. of different gyms yes. and then you just like uh, you have this mental mindset oh I'm just gonna go there and try to win and see if I'm on the same level as that guy uh, oh if I can beat this blue belt okay let me try with that purple belt uh, yeah that kind of thing I see, I see. yeah but I, I, I would say that ex- bringing yourself to experience different games mm-hmm. of other people would break that plateau. Right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because sometimes you're so used to doing this particular move on this person and it keeps working, right? What what about a change of style? Like I like right now I feel myself very excited by um new new styles. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, like for me um, passing is something that I enjoy. I like starting on top, but mm. then now it's after like being inspired by the whole gi thing. Like mm. now I'm excited to go to class because I'm like, man, could I get a spider today? You know, can I try to get a squid guard on? Can I get yep. a worm guard on? You know, it's like the change of style gets me excited. Mm-hmm. You know, but obviously I don't want to lose my my more comfortable style either. Correct. Right? Mm. So like for example, if there's new things you want to try, just go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way you can build your arsenal of techniques. Mm. Because in white belt, technically, you are just learning how to survive. (laughs) How to survive, how to build on your basic Mm -hmm. movements, build build on your basic foundations. But once you're at a blue, right, it's more of a increasing your arsenal of movements, Mm -hmm. increasing your arsenal of moves, uh, experimenting with new techniques, experimenting with new moves, Mm -hmm. and then finding and pinpointing what works for your body type. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So once you are past that stage, you start to build your own game. You start mm-hmm. to identify. Okay, let's this particular technique works for me on top. I'm mm-hmm. gonna use it. This not, works. not that you forget everything else, yeah. but this works well for my body. For correct, example. this works well for my body. This fits my style, and then you start accumulating this special this this few techniques into your arsenal that you use more regularly. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that you have forgotten every other techniques. It's just right. that they are in the back of your head. If the opportunity arises, you use those. Mm-hmm. If other people do those techniques on you, you know how to defend. Okay. So once you're at that level already, you are you start. Um, refining your game that's when you know you start advancing into a properly a purple belt realm ah, yeah. okay. once you reach purple belt it's more of tightening everything mm-hmm. yeah, because as a blue belt you're experiment, experimenting with techniques right you tend to someone says that someone goes blue belt's the buffet belt I think it's chu chu jitsu chu jitsu yeah I th- maybe he was the one saying it yeah. Yeah, it's, like it's a buffet belt because people eat you for buffet <laughs> 
people rank you for buffet, but it's I because see. you have a buffet of techniques to experiment with as uh, well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. I I don't mean to sound cheesy here, but you know, like what what do you like as in just Jerome by yourself do when you meet a life plateau? So there's the BJJ blue belt plateau, right? Where you feel right. like, oh man, like when it, you know. But I I think this plateau happens in different parts of of our lives as well right it could be like even in your career you could feel like hey i've been doing this for such a long time already doing the same shit i'm getting bored of this kind of stuff or even perhaps in a relationship right like you've been in a relationship for a while not saying my own um, but i'm saying that if you're in a relationship for a while and you start to feel like oh man we're so familiar with each other now you know mm-hmm. what 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 you know what do i do next kind oh. of thing right I think in the relationship, the trying new bodies thing doesn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Right, yeah, right. You, you, you beat me to that one. Yeah, okay. So, in the, okay. Point taken. Yeah. So, that one is like, uh, yeah, this is a good example. <laughs> trying new styles. Trying like. new styles, doing new things in the relationship. Yeah, but it's usually I find that uh, going overseas helps. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, going because you get, you, get, you get alone time with your partner. You how how long have you been with her for? Five Com- years. Uh, uh, yeah, coming to five. Okay, coming yeah. to five issues. How do you, how do you, um, okay, I, I very often get this right. So I, I ask you why I'm, I'm asking you this. By the time this podcast is out, um, my wife would have already been on her birthday treat already. So I'm allowed to say it now because <laughs> she, she won't hear it. Right. But, um, um, so I planned like a pottery class for her. So uh-huh. we're going to start the day with, oh no, sorry. We're going to start the, the, the day by going for hydro dash. So it's in Sentosa. Oh bro, that is a very good activity, man. Is it really? Yeah. She, you, no, she wanted to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You booked the one hour or the two hours? Only one hour. Oh, one hour is enough, bro. Okay, because I don't want to bake under the sun. Yeah, right. So I went for the earliest time slot. I think we're going for the 10 a.m. time slot. Yeah, it's a good time. So we, we get in there early. I don't want to be burnt by the sun. You know, we go in there at 10. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go through Hydro Dash. And then after that, when she calms down a little bit, maybe we can go pick up some lunch by the beach. And then next one, we're on to pottery. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the wheel, like yep, you use yep, the yep. pottery wheel. I think she, she'll go crazy like, about that one. Like, I don't know if you watch the movie Ghost. Ah, I, I know uh, about this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so after after pottery, um, there's there's a little bit of a gap after pottery. So I don't know what I'm gonna do there. But then we've got Heidi Lau po- booked for um for dinner, mm-hmm. and then uh, after I wanted to book some staycation thing, but I think it's a bit. Uh, I I think it's just a waste of money. Yeah. Damn, bro, you're spoiling the market. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after Heidi Love, we're gonna just go hit a massage, and then that's mm-hmm. the end of the day. But there's there's a bit of a empty time slot in the middle. I I haven't decided exactly what I want to do there, um, but I'll, I'll try to think of something to. to How many hours the is the time slot? Probably about two hours. You got any good ideas? And you will be at Sentosa, is it? No, well, at that point we'll be in orchard, right? Because the the pottery class starts at like twelve or something like that. Should so probably go for an hour or an hour and a half. But I have another like maybe three to five ish p.m. before Heidi Lau thing starts. Yeah. I mean, we could always throw in a, a message. I was trying to think of something that was exciting, but also okay. So another thing I wanted was like miniature food making. It was actually Locke that recommended that to me. He said, you know, like you have those miniature food. Mm-hmm. So you'd actually like mold it and make some kind of, but, and then I also saw like latte art. But I was thinking, is it like, would is it, it be get a bit, would it get a bit boring if we just, you know, do like art? Like, cause we already did pottery, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I was thinking like, should we go for a, like a salsa dancing class together or something? I was thinking like, 
is there something that could be like romantic slash sexy that we could squeeze into there but i don't know man no i can't think of any right now yeah i i asked this because i i feel like when i talk to lots of people in singapore right the mm. very first thing people will tell you is that i have singapore boring one uh, but but that's it's not true like there are lots of things that you can do oh utang, you know i just thought of something we can go cycling <laughs> for two hours uh, yeah in orchard no like after the after orchard we just go straight to um uh what's it called um esplanade and then uh-huh. esplanade we rent a bicycle and then we just go cycle around the area mm. but it'll be about three to five-ish area mm, i don't know if it's smart i'll think about something yeah um but you know I, I was thinking like a concert as well like possibly you could bring her to a concert but i don't know if she'd be tired uh yeah a lot to think about man but uh <laughs> yeah because I, I hear a lot of people say like oh there's nothing much to do in singapore you know but 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 they must be. I mean, like, as a couple, I mean, you've been with your girl for, like, five years. I'm yep. sure there's still new things that you can come up with to do, right? Yep. I think for me and her, uh, generally, our dates are quite chill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> generally, we like to go for massages. Okay, yeah, yeah likewise, likewise. Massages, food. We, we explore new places food. to eat. Okay. Staycation. We're going on a cruise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Generally, I think even before covid uh, me and her would always make it a point to go to Bali once every year. Oh, yeah, because okay. Bali is really some place that we enjoy a lot. Uh-huh. You're yeah. wearing a Bali MMA shirt right oh, now, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Represent. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. so I think it's important to find new things to do. Holidays give you a new perspective, don't you think? Yep, yep. Definitely, man. Yeah. It, it, give, it allows you to also um, see whether you can live with your partner's habits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's there, bro. I can tell you it's different. Because when you live, when you go on a holiday together, you're living in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Someone's going to clean up for you. Yes, yes. I yes. can tell you that that's going to change drastically when you get married. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, but trust me, you'll come up with a system. Yep, it's, yep. How it, it's how it, it works with Lilan and I, you know. Like, for example, Lilan is a messy person. I'll mm. be, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm also a messy person. But one person will out-messy the other one. Right, you right. You know, and then eventually I'm like, Just have right, to compromise, you know what? right? Yeah, I'm like... Okay, I, 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 myself, I think it's too much. So I'll start to do things, and she would also some things be like, ugh, it's too much for me, and then she'll yeah. she'll automatically move. So, yeah, like certain things hit your threshold, so you do it. Certain things hit her threshold, and she does. Pretty it. much. Yeah. I mean, now now we're at a healthier stage where we don't need to hit the threshold. We kind of just broom. know. Yeah. yeah, we kind of know. Like when it comes to like cleaning toilets or throwing out the rubbish, the more dirty stuff is just like, yeah, I'll just look after that. But mm. you know things like clothes folding or sewing stuff together you know she'd she'd do something like that mm. you know um but yeah I, I i i wonder right like in a relationship plateau you know what are the different things that we could do or even like at a job plateau try yeah. a new body, you know, like. try new body. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean relationship it's really about initiative to try and find something to do in singapore mm, yeah mm-hmm. i mean holidays definitely help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just simple, small acts of doing something for your loved ones. That yeah, help. Mm, mm. that's true. That's true. Yeah, we kind of got into this um, painting thing where we got there. Like she bought this, this kind of like a, it's it's a black and white thing, and then they have different numbers, and uh-huh. then each number corresponds to a different color of paint. So oh. you would just take it and paint it. I mean, that that was pretty fun. Ooh, um, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. But anyway, um, I think we're. Let me see how we're doing with time. Oh, we're one hour ten minutes already. And uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you you probably got to do go do your thing. I need to go do my thing as well. Um, but we just thought we'd 
pop by and just do a random we, podcast yeah together. man yeah just because we wanted to catch up no skeleton and we wing it yes and it, and it, and it worked yeah, so maybe man. this is the new way of doing it um is there something you wanted to chat about in specifics uh no yeah man <laughs> I'm, I'm just like just cruising today is yeah, like just cruising. yeah it's the end of the week anyway so we can uh just chill but so i'm gonna your week has just ended my week is just about to start because tomorrow is a crunch day where Leland's gonna go on her adventure so i need to make sure oh tomorrow yeah, the, tomorrow, oh, tomorrow no, is her, her birthday is on the 10th of jan but, oh, but the 15th right. of jan was because she couldn't take leave oh, right. so tomorrow is uh what do they call it d-day no D-day. No, no sorry that sounds double meaning but um it's it's, it's yeah. <laughs> i just got it what yeah. heck? Okay. okay but but tomorrow is d-day so i need okay. to make sure that you know i get everything um planned out correctly yeah oh. If if I mean, I think, mm, oh yeah, but you already planned the day, right? What were you gonna suggest? There was I, I chance upon this place that you can make rings, make rings for rings. your yeah, like, like rings. Okay, not yeah. wedding rings, but just random rings. Wedding rings, engagement rings. Okay. So if like you or Lilan wants a new ring, you guys can make it together. Shit, I paid a few thousand for the previous one. Oh, whoops. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's just like a for fun. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you know what, what we did um, for her birthday? Like two years ago, her birthday, we made bracelets. Oh. Yeah, for my birthday, we went to make like wallets. Oh. Not wallets, it's like leather. Leather, leather hand, yeah, handmade bro, wallets. Oh, I love that, man. The, bro, the, the next level, man. Handmade uh, furniture. <laughs> oh wow, that'll be that'll yeah. be cool shit. You you guys can make like a chair or or table, you know, a dining table or That's coffee quite table. Yeah, yeah, that is quite badass actually. Hey man, um, thanks for dropping by today. And before we go, I just want to say thank you once again for this belt, man. I absolutely love it. It's a blue belt with the with my Chinese name in gold. I freaking love this. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our little chit chat today. And um, I guess we'll catch them soon. Os, os, bye bye. <laughs>